So this reading continues where we left off. So we start with verse 15 in the 21st chapter of John. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Here's the reading. We're not saying, I do, as early or as often as previous generations have. Millennials, if you follow generational uh, research, are getting married much later in life, if at all. And so the traditional I do's are not necessarily happening all that often in terms of the formal ones in front of God and everybody or in front of some official where then there's a a contract with the state that says that you're married officially. Now we say I do to all kinds of things, don't we though? We say I do to serving in the band. We say I do to, to serving with the Boy Scouts. We say I do to you know, helping out at Grace Fellowship. We say I do to uh, extra projects at work. We say I do to our children. We say I do to all kinds of other things. And maybe we don't think about it that way, but every one of those I do's is a commitment of some sort, whether a true, hard, fast commitment, even though that I, those I do's don't necessarily have a legal binding component to them. I suppose except for when you sign a car lease or a car loan or a home loan, that I do has a much more binding component than a marriage does even, perhaps. But what's interesting in this passage is I think that the the writer, as as I've uh, read about this and studied this, the writer in adding this to the Gospel of John, they really believe it was after the Gospel of John circulated for some time that this was added, that partly what this, the, the writer was trying to do was to, to once again sort of reiterate that Jesus did show up in the flesh to the disciples and that the disciples knew him and recognized him because you heard that in there, right? They did not have to ask who is it because they knew it was the Lord. Now, again, at daybreak, he was off on the shore and talking to them. They didn't know who he was. They probably couldn't see his face. But as they got closer, as the sun was beginning to rise, they, be, they see him, they know who he is. He's eating with them. He's breaking bread with them and sharing them. So it has a Eucharistic component or a Lord's Supper kind of component to it to, to echo some of the sacrament. But he's also eating with them. So he's 
physically present with them. So the writer is, is really trying to, to show forth, you know, just all of these things about Jesus that, that they believe to be true and that had been recounted in the other Gospels, that Jesus showed up in the flesh, was risen from the dead. But what's interesting to me really is this second part of the passage, at least today. It's all interesting, but Oh, and just aside, somebody will ask, what does the 153 mean? The um, 153 fish. Well, there's all kinds of debate about this. Numerology is a thing in the Bible. You'll find all kinds of ways that numbers are used to indicate other things. Oftentimes, 153 fish, they would say that it indicated the number of nations in the world at that known nations in the world at that time. And so they're saying, well, the disciples were catching fish and that represented fish from every nation. Oftentimes they'll talk about how Jesus told them to throw out on the right-hand side of the boat because apparently they were throwing out on the left-hand side of the boat and that's not where the fish were. And so what they're saying, and some people will, will use that to say, well, you've got, if, th- if things aren't working over here, you've got to try it over there. And there's all kinds of metaphors that you can pull out of this passage if you, if you want to use it that way. But then there's this questioning of Simon Peter, which is really fascinating. Uh, Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And Peter three times basically says, I do. I do. But what do you hear when you hear he gets asked three times and he says, I do? What, do you, what, what does that remind you, make you remember? The denial, right? Because he denies him three times. And the interesting part of the denial is we say he denies Jesus three times, right? That he denies Jesus three times. But the question that John gets asked in those denials is, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of them? Aren't you a Galilean? Aren't you one of his followers? And basically he says, I do not know the man. Sure, he denies Jesus. But he also, in a sense, denies who he is. He denies who he is. And so I don't know if this is a, a writing technique. It would be, it would be so fascinating to, to just hear this conversation as it happened. That was Jesus making some sort of point here? Like, I do know you, but I want you to know yourself even better. Meaning, if I ask you, do you love me, and you tell me I do, I, I, want that to, I want that to get so deep in your bones that you don't ever forget it. And what that means. Because to say I do to Jesus means that we are ones who are called to serve. We are the ones through whom God's love shows up in the world. We are the primary means for God's love to be shown forth in the world through the Holy Spirit. We are the ones who have been given this opportunity to make that happen, to live into who we are and who God says we are, to share that love with the rest of the world. And when we say, I do to that, it, it creates a bit of a, you know, a problem for us because we have all these other I do's in our lives, Right? Maybe, there, maybe we might t- talk about them, some of them, as the I shoulds in my life. 
I should do this, I should do that, I should do this other thing. And so we say I do to those things, but they're sort of, you know, not legally binding I do's. They're just sort of, yeah, yeah, I, I, need, I, I should do that, so I'm doing that. You know? And then we find ourselves losing who we are. Because we're not living into who God has said that we are. We might be doing all kinds of wonderful things. But are we connected with God in a way to remind us that first, God said, I do to us. And that will never change. And that that maybe is the most powerful I do in the universe. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God said, I do to you and to you and to you and to me. And so then as his followers, as those who then are the sent out ones, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, when we say I do to him, that creates a particular way of living that must make us call into question all those other I shoulds or I do's in our lives. How do those serve who I am in God and how does that serve what it means to tend Jesus' sheep, to feed his lambs? To be people in the world who care about the things that no one else really wants to care about. To care about the people in the world that no one else really wants to care about. A lot of people won't tell you that that being a follower of Jesus is, is not an easy thing. It does not lead to easy choices. It often leads to choices that are against what the culture and our world would, would rather have us do. Again, oftentimes the culture and the world, it's not bad things necessarily, but they don't help us live out the true nature of who we are as beloved children of God. And so then we lose sight of us and we lose sight of who Jesus is and we lose sight of this great gift that we've been given In God saying, I do, and love showing up in our lives. When God says, I do to us, we have to let go of all of the things that we thought we had to have in this life. And we say, I do to you, God. What is it that I need in my life? And how is it that I am to serve in my life? Who is it that I am to serve? And not that we become some sort of welcome mat for people to just take advantage of and, and, and all that sort of thing. A lot of people think that that's part of the Christian walk too, that we just, we just let people walk all over us and we're just kind of namby-pamby nice people. Well, actually, most, most people think that, most people who aren't Christians think that Christians are basically judgmental jerks. They think that what we talk about in, in these walls is, is how bad those people are and how bad those people are and how bad those people are, and thank goodness we aren't those people, right? I mean, we can go down the list. But that's not what this church talks about. That's not who I believe Jesus says that we are. We are the ones who walk the way of the cross with Jesus. It is not not an easy path. The choices that we make day to day to day as, as a communion 
together, our hard ones, they're, they're, they're decisions of sacrifice, they're decisions of hard love, they're decisions of holding each other accountable and also seeking to, to care for one another, which is some of the most difficult work you can do. I mean, as Dave Ramsey used to always say, or he often says in his teachings, like, you know, if you can find a church with no problems, you got a church with no people in it, right? The only people who don't have problems are people in the graveyard. We are called to engage in life in a very particular way by following the way of the cross. And that path often means something different for each one of us. We're going to have to leave some relationships that aren't good for us. We're going to have to engage some relationships that are difficult for us. We're going to need to walk with people who are hard on us. Again, not to get used up, not to be a martyr. But when we're called into those ways of being, we're called to do those things. It is not the easy path. So I always think it's interesting that we say I do to Jesus. Because I think it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And it's the most amazing thing that you'll ever do. Because when you begin to understand the power that you have through the Holy Spirit, the the love that is just overflowing from God to you, that you are perfect in yourself just the way you are, and that God doesn't, doesn't need you to go out and do these things so that he can love you. God already loves you. God has already said, I do to you for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, through sickness and in health, God is with you. And so when we say I do to Jesus, how can we be the ones through whom love shows up in this world? Well, I challenge you this week to find those ways. Maybe it's a phone call to someone in this room. Hey, let's get together for coffee. I just want to hear about how life's going. Maybe it's reaching out to somebody you haven't seen for a while that's in your life, maybe not part of the church, outside of that. Maybe it's looking around at your work or, or, or around in your circles of influence and saying, who is somebody that I think maybe just needs, you know, someone to be present in their life? Not to tell them what to do, not to fix them, but just be a presence. And what do I need to let go of? What do I need to quit saying this soft I do to so that I can engage in this work that Jesus has given me right here, right now? Who is it in your life that, as you say I do to Jesus, that needs to fill some of these chairs, needs to hear a message of hope and of love? Because what they've always heard before about about Christians is is that they aren't welcome here. They aren't good enough. They aren't right enough. They aren't perfect enough. Who needs to sit in this seat next Sunday? to hear how love might show up in their lives. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Amen.